Saturday Afternoon Fever. I'm Matthew Hardy. I'm Lawrence Mooney. Great. This chapter is Chapter 10, and the title is The Reenactment. In 1979, Trevor Barker, my hero from the St Kilda Football Club, flew high above Essendon's Dennis Scanlon to take what officially became the mark of the year, at least according to Seven's World of Sport judging panel. Now, now Dennis Scanlon and uh, Neil Bizanko, they were our backline basically, because your hero took mark of the year over the back of an Essendon player, and I'm an Essendon supporter, do you remember Dennis Scanlon's number? 36. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, because I've looked at the photograph. That many times. Yeah, because Barker's on his back and on that back is the number 36. Yeah. And above the 36 is the number one because Trevor is in the superior successful position, catching the ball above his head. Marking the ball. Marking the ball above his head, sorry. So, so impressed was I with Barker's mark, I decided to try and recreate the event on our front lawn. My St Kilda scrapbooks contained every single article I found in any newspaper concerning the Saints. Using my red clag brush, remember clag? Yep, I do. Remember there was always a kid? I had a very astringent smell too. Now, using my red clag brush, I'd place each item that I'd cut out of the paper on the page with all the skill and the care of a newspaper paste-up artist. A photo of Trevor Barker's mark had been printed on the front page of The Sun on the Monday morning following his fabulous feat, and that photo became my inspiration for the recreation. I planned the reenactment meticulously to ensure success. I needed at least one strong, willing adult, a camera, a roll of film, someone to take the photo, and an extra to feature in it. Mark and Simon, my brothers, made themselves available. Well, Dad told them they had no choice, obviously hoping to become a part of history. With the scrapbook open at the appropriate page and set upon the bonnet of our family Hillman Hunter station wagon for reference. I, I can only see the front of the Hillman Hunter on the cover of the book Saturday Afternoon Fever, but I knew that was a Hillman by the hubcap yeah. and the wheel arch. It was Such the, was my fascination with cars. Well, it was the smallest station wagon I reckon ever made yeah. and our nanny used to live with us and so we would stack in that car, especially just for Sunday drives. So three, ben- three boys, mum, dad and nana, plus Coco, our dog, when you look at it in hindsight, you go, there's not enough room for two people with any comfort in that thing. There must have been a bench seat in the front, otherwise Nan couldn't have fit in. Uh, uh, no, Nan was in the back between – wow, well, that was when you could sit in the back of the car. You could stick a couple of the boys in the back. Oh, right. No seatbelts for anybody. And no seats. No just seats. Just floating around in the yeah. back with Coco the dog. Yeah, and remember you'd like, if you're on a long drive back from a country destination, you know, seeing a relative Under or something, a rug. you'd be waving from the back of the car facing outwards, yep. like facing from whence you came – uh, waving to the poor bastard driving along behind you for the entire trip. Right? <laughs> yeah. and, now- <laughs> and you get upset if they stopped waving. Like how much of a wave is enough waving? Or if you're coming home, uh, Norman Rockwell style, excited on the way out, exhausted on the way home, mum would throw a blanket over you and you'd just be sleeping probably next to the dog. Or, you know, the Paul Kelly song called They Thought I Was Asleep. Right. If you ra- roused yourself from that sleep, you might get to hear some snippets of mum and dad's serious adult conversations. Mm. Regrettable eavesdropping sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other section, regrettable eavesdropping. Well, I've already covered in, what by, did you hear? by the great Paul Kelly. So uh, the scrapbook was open at the back of the Hillman, back to the book. Uh, I wore my and killed a number one jumper, as Trevor did. Mark teetered about with me balanced high on his back. He was hungover as fuck that morning too. All oh, right, so this is a static. You didn't run and jump into position. He's carrying you. Yeah, it was sort of like a piggyback that he then kind of hooked oh. me up higher for. 
Okay. Yeah, they even captured the moment in the photograph that you're oh. looking at that the listeners can't see that was on the original cover of the original print run of yep. this book. There's me kneeling on my brother's back as he sort of bends under the weight of me, but he's 18 and I'm like 11. So I thought that that was you taking a speculative. No, 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 you've given me credit uh, where it's not due. Yeah, it's actually kind of like no, it's, a, it's, it's taking a, a little bit of magic away sorry. from the book now. I'm sorry, mate. Yeah, no, I don't know whether I can do this podcast anymore. <laughs> what? And this is the reason why? Yeah, <laughs> lame reasons to leave a relationship. <laughs> For added authenticity, we got Rowan Donnelly, who's now headed to heaven, who's a great man, was my mate and my neighbour at the time. Rowan Donnelly, son of the next door neighbour who'd been on the Don Lane show, to stand next to the action, looking on as Essendon's teammate had done in the photo. My brother Simon snapped at the result with his box brownie until the film was finished. Remember box brownies? It was yes, basically I do. a box and it was brown. Anyway, I said I recreated the action precisely and I exaggerate a little when I do so. There were discrepancies. For a start, I wasn't Trevor Barker. Mm-hmm. Essendon's Dennis Scanlon certainly wasn't smoking a Marlboro or wearing <laughs> Levi jeans or a silver-threaded Miller shirt when Barker landed on his shoulders at Windy Hill that day. Mm-hmm. He also wasn't struggling not to throw up due to a massive Southern Comfort hangover. Southern Comfort, what a terrible drink. Oh, you know why? Because it tastes like gelati. It's like a gateway because it's sugary, it's sweet, because, you know, you've been living off soft drinks and you start drinking. It's a fortified wine, is it, or a spirit, really? Yeah, but it's the sweetness of it that it kind of – it's a transition from soft drink to booze. Southern and Coke. Yeah, and you get caught by surprise when you have a guts full of it for the first time. (sighs) And then it comes out your nose and then just the mere whiff of it for the rest of your life causes you to have to pull over. Yeah, you know, brewed in New Orleans, Southern Comfort. I remember uh, staying out all night once, you know, when I was 20 or something and coming home without having gone to bed just in time for uh, Dad to offer a lift to take me to play cricket that morning. Mm. And uh, so I changed out of my nightclub gear and into my whites. Did he drag you into the car by the hair? Um, Almost. And then uh, in the car, (laughs) I grabbed a Southern Comfort I'd put in the fridge, right, for pre-drinks as the kids call them now. But I'd preloading. Failed, I'd failed to finish the preloading the previous night. So there was a Southern Comfort mix can with Coke left over. And so having come home, having not been to bed, oh, and then asked Dad to drive me directly to open the bowling for Oakley Districts in my whites, I thought I'd open a can of Southern in the car as I sat beside him. Oh, he wouldn't have been happy with he that. He wasn't happy with that. No. He said, put that fucking rot gut out of my way. And then I could see him. He pointed at me and paused. I thought it's all going to... And then just kept on driving without a word. Right. Left it for another day. That other day arose, but that's I was given story. A, um, a drinking in the car lesson by my father-in-law Ian. Uh, gone around to his place or my parents-in-law for the 2008 grand final. Yep. And they're not drinkers. Lou's family, they just and but the Moonies are drinkers. So it's grand final day. I'm going to take you know a dozen beers around and knock most of them over. Watching the grand final, I'm getting more and more raw because everyone's sober as a judge, drinking stubbies, gets to the end of the day. We have dinner together and then it's like time to go and there's some stubbies still left in the fridge. So I go to the fridge and I get a a beer out and Ian's hand comes down on my forearm, vice-like grip, and he goes, don't drink in the car, mate. Oh. I said, no. <laughs> I had no intention of drinking the car in <laughs> as I just put the stubby onto the bench and right. he lets go. Hasn't he heard of the phrase one for the road? Yeah, but he didn't want some pissed sat idiot. Sat next to his daughter. Sat next to his daughter. And the drinking. kids with the kids in the back? You hadn't had kids Probably, at that point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he obviously was oh, also- no, had, no, no, Maggie Maggie wasn't born at that stage and Lily was with her mum. 
Um, so, yeah, it was just me That's neck, not the first- neck in a stubby. Don't drink in the car, mate. It's like, wow. No, sirree. But obviously that wasn't the first thought he'd had about you and your drinking that day. No. It was the last the- straw, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. He'd probably watch me drink each of those beers thinking, my daughter's to rearrange your face. <laughs> <laughs> could he? Did you consider whether you could have him, your father-in-law? It's got to be an, equa- an equation that you weigh up. He's it? a bigger man. Right. Um, he did. He played VFA for Werribee. That's a yes. So every part of that answer is a yes, he could have you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he did the day after we got married in earshot of me. He goes, um, walks around behind Lou's chair and puts his hands on her shoulders. And he goes, that was a beautiful day yesterday, sweetheart. And if this bloke ever hurts you, I'll tear his head off and shit down his neck. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, why, why didn't he say that in the wedding speech? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, because it only needed an audience of one, that particular line, didn't yeah. But he, he said it like as if I wasn't there. We weren't going to be if you didn't hit that. Is adhere a to his fair old warning salutation. Isn't it is it? <laughs> if he ever hurts you. Yeah. I'll also, tear his head off and shit down his neck. <laughs> is it just tearing my head off enough? Yeah. Well. <laughs> and then what? You're going to hold my lifeless body up as you pull your pants down and <laughs> shit down my actual neck. Well, if you're going to wow. be if you're going to be factual about it, it's not really possible, is it? Did you, <laughs> did you try and point that the practicalities? Unless or? you put my headless, lifeless body against a wall, but you have to hollow out your neck <laughs> and your spine. Yeah, there's still a bone sticking out of my neck. And you didn't think it through. Organs. You didn't think it through, did you? Yeah, I should have said, idiot. <laughs> you can't shit down someone's <laughs> neck. Also, what's the etiquette when you take beers to a party or an event or a function, right? To leave one, to no. leave them there. Yeah, just say you only just say you take a dozen and yeah. you only drink four. You got to leave eight. Yeah. Like it's bad manners to take the eight, even if you know they don't drink that drink. Oh no, absolutely. But I was only taking a road, or I wasn't taking all of my beers back. I know, but I'd like to get back to the other point about why do you have to leave a lot of beers? You know they're not going to drink. It's just it's manners. No, it's, you you, it's, you brought you know an offering to a host, and you're, you you've got to leave it there. What about if they insist that you take them? Like they think, oh fuck, I could do with that fridge space. I'm not going to sink this piece oh, myself. Look, look, please, you know, Lozzie, take the, take your beers. We're not going to drink them. I say, all right. Oh, you agree to that? Yeah, if they insist. You don't yeah. pretend to protest. No, that whole bloody modernness of no, 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 no. You, they're yours now. <laughs> they're yours now. What about the idea of you turn up with a particular type of beer? Right, let's say it's cheap beer on your shoulder in slab form to a party. And you start drinking other people's beers. You start beers. drinking other people's better, more expensive beers. Or if you turn up with the expensive beers and other people you've seen turn up with cheaper beers, start drinking yours. Yeah, that's the, that is classic party behaviour. Where you go to a bath and it is full of something shit like super dry, yeah. harm yep. super dry yep. or Carlton Cole. We're hoping both of those and then, brands might sponsor this show. And then you see somebody come out of that bathroom with your Peroni yep. and you do the old... Oh, you bought Peroni as well, did you, mate? <laughs> and you see them go back into the bathroom and then emerge with their shitty Corona. Do they? They don't front you out? No. They go, they yes, just I drink, did yeah, bring yeah, Peroni yeah. too. Yeah, you'd never confront them. You just snidely remark to somebody else, look at that asshole drinking my beer. So aside from all those differences, back to the book, from the actual photo to the photo I tried to recreate, mm. everything otherwise was spot on. It had taken me a week to recreate what my hero had done in a split second through instinct. 
The end result was so impressive that a visually impaired football illiterate may well have mistaken it for the real thing. Now, Mark, my brother at this point, was in a band called Horizon. He was the drummer when they appeared on the Channel O. It was prior to Channel 10. Mm. The Channel O talent show, Pot of Gold, hosted by Tommy Hanlon Jr. It was our family's TV debut. Yes. We had finally stepped into the major part of the world. Stepped out of the darkness into the light. And Bernard King. He's coming up. He's Mark, coming up. my brother, Ugh. later became the lead singer after the show's high camp critic, he was flamboyant, accused the band's female songstress, Kay, of having a fat bum. Despite her brilliant retort, and she said, are you speaking about a part of me or all of you? Wow. She had quit her position within the band one week afterwards. That's what she said. Because Bernard was very high camp. He and was. he had wonderful silver sideboards and he'd sit there. He had a cooking show too, Bernard King's cooking show. Yeah, didn't he wear a cravat? And say, Pre-Matt Cre- Preston, Preston Cre- yeah. cravat? Or, Try and say that first. Or a velvet bow tie. And he'd say, have you ever thought of another <laughs> career? <laughs> Bernard. What happened to the high camp uh, talent show critic? Is that now well, no longer shows. acceptable? What was the last talent show? Oz the- Idol or no, The Voice, I guess. You know, they used to have a they used to have an obviously gay guy as the harsh critic have you, of, of talent shows. Well, uh Boy George, does that oh. mean anything to you? <laughs> <laughs> With uh yeah. Dr. Zeus's cat in the hat top hat on yeah, his head. Fair enough. Fair enough. I once saw him DJing at Ministry of Sound in London. And what was that like? And I was wasted, of course, in this club. There was no place for me. I should have been watching a cover band playing ACDC songs. But I was in this club somehow. They let me in. And uh, Boy George's DJ desk was in the middle of the dance floor. And, uh, and he wasn't wearing a top hat at the time, but something otherwise awesome and extravagant, suited to his style. Anyway, uh, I was drunk. I think I was the only person drinking or drunk in there. Everyone else was probably on ecstasy or whatever. And uh, They were. I was struggling to keep up. I with wasn't the, there, but I can tell you they were. I was struggling to keep up with the kids. They were on MDMA shots. There was no water would come out of the taps. You'd have to buy it. The MDMA in London too is of a superior quality. Wouldn't know. Anyhow, so I'm drunk and then I go up to boy George. <laughs> this will be good. <laughs> sing his praises to the skies, you know. I love boy George. Karma chameleon. I love yeah. boy George. Right? And he waited till I was finished and blew the biggest cloud of smoke from his French cigarette, it made my head just disappear <laughs> off the planet. <laughs> and I skulked away having been told without him having said a word. <laughs> Back to the book. Peter lived on our street and became a mate of my brother Mark's through hanging around with the band during their rehearsals in our garage. With his top lip, a ripe pimple plaza, Peter was a sort of roadie come wannabe band member with no musical talent and an unfathomable physical affliction, which was... A second anus. Wow. Definitive details were never provided, but somehow due to either birth defect or unfortunate accident, Peter's left buttock accommodated a second exit for effluent. Did he, could he choose which one to use? <laughs> That's a really good question. Peter's house, well, we found out, yeah, we found out because Nana went to the toilet. We heard the word, what a disgusting lout, as she stomped off. Down to her room. What? She'd yeah. seen his second anus. Well, no, somehow he'd done a poo, I think, into the bowl and then another one sort of out the side onto the floor. Oh, right. So he Nana couldn't had, choose. Like, stepped in it, determined that it wasn't 
that from Coco, our dog. Mm. <laughs> just or one of her beloved grandsons. What a disgusting lout. It's mm. a generic assessment of the situation. Peter, his she house was had right. a, Peter's had a built-in pool. His why, house. Why, would, why hadn't he had some kind of corrective surgery? Well, my mum then had to go and have a word to his mum and the revelation was revealed. Surely they knew from birth that he had a second anus. Okay, that'll do us, Lawrence Mooney, for today. I am having a ball, so uh, please join us on the next episode and tell your friends. Bring some friends along. Thanks for joining us. Okay, if you haven't given us a rate and review, now's the time. We're counting on you.